Hey everybody, welcome and thanks for tuning in to the very first episode, I guess you could call it the maiden voyage, of this Fins to Forest podcast. My name's Sam Karras, that doesn't mean a lot to you right now, it's not supposed to, it's not really the point, but it is the first episode, that seems like a necessary fact that I should state. Uh, regardless, it is the first episode and the whole point of this episode is going to be for me just to give you a little bit of an introduction and an explanation into what you can expect from the Fins to Forest podcast, why I'm making this podcast. And that's pretty simple for me. I've always enjoyed the outdoors. I feel like the Lord has blessed me and I've been very fortunate to get to do a lot of the things that I do. Um, whether it's bass fishing, deer hunting, traveling to a lot of cool places, that's something that i love and have a passion for and want to share. I, I love storytelling. People have always told me they can tell that I love telling stories. And this seemed as good a way as any to get those stories out there. Um, it's one of my goals for the year. Whether it's YouTube, podcasting, I've decided to do all of the above and just kind of share what goes on in my life, some of the things that I get to do. So just to give you a little bit of background on myself, I'm from Knoxville, Tennessee. That's where I was born and raised and where I still live. I am 24 years old, and I am currently a full-time high school teacher and girls' assistant basketball coach at a school here in Knoxville, um, both things that I love as well. Um, but bass fishing, competitive bass fishing, is, is where my passion has been my entire life. I graduated from Tennessee Tech back in 2018, where I did the whole college fishing thing for, for all four years of college and absolutely loved it. Got to meet some of my best friends in the world doing it. We got to pull boats, drag them all across the country from Texas to Minnesota, Virginia, Florida, you name it. We've probably been there at some point or the other, either with a boat or with a bow. And during those four years in college is when I really started to fall in love with deer hunting too. I am I'm on a lease in Middle Tennessee, I'm pretty close to Center Hill Lake, Smithville, if anybody knows where that is, which you probably don't unless you're from there. Very, very small. You blink, you miss it. Um, but I'm on a lease there where I've, I've really learned to, to develop a passion for, for bow hunting and deer hunting in general. And that is going to be what the bulk of this podcast covers, but not everything. So from, from January to June, you can expect a lot of bass fishing from well really let's say from may to august during the summertime it'll be a lot of traveling i'm getting to do some really cool things this year i'm gonna road trip on my own we're going i'm going out to yellowstone for a few weeks gonna make a trip up to the st lawrence river um sleep in some parking lots and catch some big smallmouth up there and gonna go visit a friend and get to do some some salmon or i don't even know what they are i just know there's a lot of big fish in alaska where my friend lives um, and he's told me to bring an extra suitcase to where I can fly all my fish back. So we're going to get to go to Alaska and fish this summer. Um, and then in the fall, we'll kind of completely shift towards, towards deer hunting. A little bit of turkey hunting sprinkled in there, a little bit of land management stuff, which I'm not by any means an expert in, but that's something that I've really learned to enjoy implementing and, and learning all I can about is, is habitat management. And let me pause for a second and just go ahead and say this. I am not an expert on any of this stuff. The whole point of me wanting to make this podcast is not for me to to share my perceived beliefs on every outdoor topic. Like 
you know, you'll have people that think that they this is the only way to do this. This is how I do it. This is the whatever. I just like telling stories. Okay, so this is not a here's how you bass fish, here's how you bow hunt podcast. This is just hey, here's what I'm doing. I think some of this stuff's pretty cool. Here's some things I did that worked. Here's some things I did that were a terrible idea. Don't do those things. Um, anyways, kind of a, just a whole gamut. We're just going to throw a bunch of stuff at a wall and see what sticks. Anyways, that being said, I'm going to kind of give you a quick little rundown on what's coming up on the docket for me this year. Some some things you can expect to hear about over the course of this next year. So I'm going to start with bass fishing. That's my longest lasting, oldest passion that I've had. Uh, it's, it's a career that I hope to pursue in the near future full time, but um, we're going to start there. This year, I'm fishing the FLW BFLs, which I, I guess now that MLF has bought FLW, you could call them the MLF FLW BFLs, which would be terribly difficult to say 10 times fast. Regardless, whatever they call it, I know they still refer to them as the BFLs. I'm going to fish two divisions of those this year as a boater, the Volunteer Division and the Piedmont Division. Now, the Volunteers make sense for me because that's where I'm from. I've grown up fishing the majority of those lakes, all of them except for, for South Holston. Uh, I fished them last year as a boater, and the Piedmonts are completely foreign to me. But a few different reasons why I've decided to fish two trails this year. The big one being, not the big one, these are, they're equally big or equally small, equally meaningful, equally whatever you want to consider them to be. Last year, the Volunteer Division and the Music City Division fished the same regional tournament at Lake Hartwell. Follow me for a second here. The majority of my friends from school that I've fished with live either in Cookville or Nashville, Mount Juliet, somewhere in Middle Tennessee. So most of them fished the Music City Division. Last year, the Volunteer and the Music City Divisions went to the same Lake Hartwell Regional in Anderson, South Carolina. Now, you talk about having a blast. That was like a college reunion. Now, granted, we only graduated two years ago, but we don't see each other very often at all. So that was so much fun. We rented a KOA cabin. We kicked it for a week. We got to go out there and catch spotted bass in 99-degree water on top water for a week. And it was freaking awesome, which... Fun fact about me, or maybe you don't think it's fun. I think it's fun. I love spotted bass. They're my favorite to fish for. I'd take them over largemouth or smallmouth any day. I don't know why. but And we have, we have spotted bass here in East Tennessee. Just about every lake's got a few of them. But going somewhere like Hartwell, we got to go fish Lake Norman on some college tournaments. I love spotted bass. And Hartwell is somewhere that I'd never been until this past September in October when we went for the regional I'd always wanted to go. We had a college tournament there when I was in school through FLW, and I this was the one tournament that nobody wanted to fish. And I begged and begged and begged guys to go with me. I told I would call them and say, "Look, I need somebody to fish this tournament with me because they wouldn't." Kevin Hunt, who ran FLW College, he probably still does. He's an awesome guy. He's a great guy. I love Kevin Hunt and always enjoyed dealing with him. But the one rule at FLW is that you can't fish solo. You could fish solo in bass. You could fish solo in, in ACA, the Cabela Trail. But you couldn't fish solo in FLW. And it makes sense. I don't know why they, they do that. But I was begging guys to go to Hartwell with me. This is probably my sophomore year. And I would call them. I'd say, look, 
I know you're not planning on going. I'll pay for the hotel. I'll pay for the gas. I will buy your food for three days if you'll just go with me. This is late March. It's when everybody likes to go to Hartwell. And I'm like, I'm just, I've got to go. And I couldn't pay somebody to go with me. So finally, I get to go this past August, or not August, this past October. This would be October of 2019. And we, not big ones, but man, we knocked their teeth in. And it's 95 degrees, it's hot, it's sunny, and we were trashing them on a spook. It was awesome. You could throw a spook, a drop shot, a swim bait. Gosh, it was fun. But anyways, I digress. Last year, our volunteer music city divisions lined up. We got to go to Hartwell. It was a lot of fun. Finished pretty well. Um, this year, Volunteer Music City, they don't have the same regional. The only other division where Music City and... Ah, let me start that over. That was I just word vomited. The only division that lines up with Music City as far as having the same regional was Piedmont. Uh, not the only one that lines up, but it's the only one that I could fish and not conflict with any of the volunteer events. So I'm fishing Piedmont, never been to any of the lakes. Actually, that's not true. They fish James River for one event. I have been to James River twice, but the other ones, you've got Kerr, you've got High Rock. Ooh, excuse me. You've got Kerr, you've got High Rock, you've got Smith Mountain, and heard of Smith Mountain, heard of Kerr, had never heard of High Rock, but... Always enjoy fishing new lakes. They look looking up the results from the past and, and you know just flipping through some YouTube videos of them. They look like really fun places to fish. And looking at them on Navionics, it looks like a cool place. All those lakes do. So, anyways, I'm going to fish Piedmont. Um, one to learn some new lakes and and just to get some experience fishing new places. But two, so that I can we can all get together at the same regional and have a big time again. So, really, really looking forward to both of those. Um, which, so those regionals, the volunteer regional is the James River in, both of these regionals are in the middle of October. Uh, James River in the middle of October, I think it's two weeks later, is when the Piedmont Music City tournaments will go and fish a regional on Lanier, which, ding, 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 another spotted bass lake, that's the other reason that I'm wanting to go. So anyways, that's kind of what's coming up fishing. My goal is to, oh dear, you just heard me uppercut a desk with my knee. So those are the tournaments you can expect. I'll probably, I'll have at least one episode from each of those, just kind of explaining what practice looked like, what I was expecting going into the tournament, and then what actually played out. The volunteer trails, just since I know you're dying to know, volunteer trails, you've got Douglas, you've got Cherokee, you've got South Holston, you've got Norris, and Chickamauga. There you go. Um, so most of those I spent a fair amount of time on. Norris, not so much. Chickamauga, not so much. It's about an hour and a half from where I live in Knoxville, Chickamauga is. So everybody's like, oh, you live in East Tennessee. You must go to Chickamauga all the time. No, not really. I would rather fish Fort Loudon, which is 15 minutes down the road from me. But regardless, still spend some time there. Okay. So let's see. Moving on. Hunting. Let's talk hunting real quick. Um, so for the past few years... Probably, I'll say, well, it's been more than a few. It's been five or six years. I've been on a lease in Middle Tennessee with my uncle and my cousin, who are really the two people that have gotten me into deer hunting. My dad is the one that's totally responsible for my fishing obsession, 
But my uncle is the one that's got me into deer hunting. Invited me to come work on this lease and invited me to come hunt with him a few times. Dad's just never really been into it, which is fine. That's why I enjoy getting to do it with, with Uncle Lance. Um, but we've got about 400 acres of worth of a lease in, in Smithville, Tennessee. And this past year was the first year that I'd really taken seriously, you know, kind of this whole summer effort of running trail cameras, keeping up with deer. Um, I would say food plots. I always have big food plot plans, but with it not being my land and me not owning any of the equipment, it's kind of hard to, to make the other few people that are on the lease go during their work schedule in the summer. I teach school, so it's easy for me to get off in the summertime because I have the entire summer off. Um, but as far as, as you know, running trail cameras all summer, I got eaten up with that stuff and loved it. And really, I, because of that, I saw more, just because of taking the trail camera seriously and trying to pattern deer and, and, and keeping up with them throughout the year, I saw more antlers in the month of October this year than I've seen the last five years on that property put together. It was, it was insane. And learned we've got a whole lot more deer and a whole lot more bucks out there than I ever knew or expected. One of them, I went into this past year having one, what I would consider a big shooter on there that I nicknamed Hitch. He had a, a brow tie that looked just like a hitchhiker's thumb, and he was obviously bigger than, than every other buck. He was, he's a mainframe eight-pointer, really, really pretty deer, big body. He was probably, he was at least three and a half. He may have been four and a half years old. I'm not the world's greatest at, at judging their age. But Hitch, and I, and I was lucky enough to see him twice during bow season. My uncle saw him um, one evening in a food plot when he, when he was hunting with a crossbow, I think that next week I went out and I had just the you couldn't have drawn it up any better. The the whole encounter, the whole experience of seeing him uh, that evening. I got to watch him for about an hour, hour and a half. He came out about an hour and a half before dark, about three, four hundred yards away from me, on the other side of, the, of what we call the big field. And I got to watch him just drag his feet as slow as possible down to the middle of the field browse around the whole way, take a couple steps, browse a few more minutes. He finally works his way into his food plot. I had the perfect shot right at dark. I don't remember when this was. This was probably early, mid-October. Had seen deer all night long, just was covered up with them. And he gives me the perfect shot at what ended up being 40 yards. I'd pulled my rangefinder out when I could tell he was, was had kind of committed to coming all the way into me. And I go to range him when he was probably 80, 100 yards, just out of curiosity. Batteries are dead. They'd worked the night before. They're dead tonight. I'm, of course they, of course they were. So he comes out. I think that I've got him at 44 yards, which is the very, you know, that's the, that's about as 45 yards as far as I'm going to take a shot at a deer. He was real calm. He wasn't freaked out. He was taking his time, and I'm. I feel like an idiot because there I am sitting with this dead rangefinder, and he's he's broadside just taking just baby steps towards the woods, slow as a snail. And I'm think and I'm you talk about having the shakes. I was have I'd had the shakes at that point for an hour. I was freaking out, not freaking out, but I was yeah I was freaking out. Again, I, I've ne- I tell you I've never killed a buck with my bow. I've killed quite a few does, but I, I'm not somebody that. 
I don't really care anything for shooting small bucks. I just assume shoot a doe. If you want to shoot small, I'm to- I'm all for it. I don't I don't blame people that do. I'm all for it. If you want to shoot them, shoot them. I would just assume shoot does and then wait for a good one. Anyways, here I've got this deer that I've watched from compared to a lot of people a very small amount of time. I think I got my first picture of him late June when I started being able to tell who was who. So I've only watched this deer for probably four or five months. And I know some people watch keep up with the deer for four or five years before they ever get to kill him. And I'm thinking, this is it. This is just picture perfect. I'm thinking he's at 45 yards, and I shoot, and I just right under the bottom side. No, it wasn't. I thought he was at 40. He ended up being 45. I let the arrow go. He never flinches. He doesn't duck. He doesn't move. He doesn't even pick his head up. And I just watched that arrow just whistle right underneath. I mean, it might have grazed a white hair. And he just half-heartedly takes a couple hops right into the thicket. And I'm thinking, you're a doofus. But I go back, obviously, to the Walgreens that night, buy another battery for my rangefinder. Because it can't just be a double-A battery or a triple-A battery. It's one of those weird, like, C2 batteries or C5. I don't know. It was a weird battery. Anyways... I go and get a battery, get up in that stand, and a few days later, range it. He was at 44. I thought he, I just guessed him at 40. Is at 44. That's why. That's why I bought a rangefinder because I spent my whole first year of bow hunting. I used to think when I first started hunting out at this lease, I thought you know I'm going to be a hardcore bow hunter. I was all into those bow hunter die videos, like the Todd Graff, Justin Czar, the bow hunter die guys. I'm a huge fan of. And I thought I'm going to be just like those bow hunter die guys. I, I've got, I've got my bow. I don't need a rangefinder. I, I just, I don't want to spend the money. And I, when was this? I was probably a sophomore or junior in high school. Well, after I missed seven deer in a row because I shot right over them or right under them, I decided I'd better go buy a rangefinder. Then I went and bought a rangefinder and shot over another one. Then I went and bought a thirty out six. Decided I'm not going to be bow hunting during gun season because that seems foolish. So I'm not a diehard bow hunter. But I love bow hunting as, as far as like, I mean, I'll, that gives you an extra two months of the season just about. But now when muzzleloader season rolls around, rifle season rolls around, I'm all about it. Drop the hammer. Anyways, so that's kind of what we're dealing with this year, hunting. Keep running the trail cameras. I am, and I've, I've told them this year, I'm going to rent it. If you all don't want me to borrow your stuff, that's fine. Totally understand. I'm renting a tractor and a no-till drill and a sprayer and i'm going to by gosh i'm running summer food plots i some more guys that i love to follow and love to keep up with their content is growing deer growing deer.tv dr grant woods all those guys that that contribute to growing deer i love 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 their habitat management management stuff um whether it's creating better bearing it whether it's creating better bedding areas, whether it's using a controlled burn, which also I'm not trying to do on property that I lease necessarily, but they've got, if you've never heard of it, if, you, if you've never watched their stuff, the buffalo system is what it's called. Um, the way that they rotate their food plots and, and, and keep good you know, quality forage on, on their property year-round. Uh, they use what they call the buffalo system. That's something that I'm, I'm really hoping that I can start to implement out on our property this year, which is a very, very brief explanation. And this isn't even an explanation of it. This is just to the extent that I feel comfortable being able to do this this first year, it's going to be just having having soybeans all summer long as, as the summer forage for them. And then coming in 
in late August and drilling in um, like a fall blend for the food plots just to keep those deer, just to keep them there and fed all year round. Um, Keep them on our property because the way that the hitch story ends is I knew if I didn't kill them before muzzleloader season that I was not going to have a shot. Um, because he was spending a lot of time on our neighbor's property. He was on the side of our property that butts up to neighbors that deer hunt a lot during gun season. Sure enough, open day muzzleloader season, our neighbor calls and says he's killed. I killed a real nice eight-pointer this morning, dressed out probably 150, 160 pounds. Real nice deer, pretty good deer. I have not gotten a picture of him since, and I knew as soon as he said that, I'm like, that's got to be Hitch. That's the only deer in that part of our property that – would be a 150, 160 pound, pound eight pointer at all. Uh, now we've got a lot of deer out there that that should have some really good potential for this year, because aside from hitch, we've got. I would say over the course of the year, I've seen between six and ten other deer, at least eight pointers. We've got one little nine pointer running around um, that will really have the opportunity to blow up and and be some good looking deer this year. But anyways, we'll just have to see what, what those deer start looking like at the end of this summer. One other little hunting note is that, as since I'm plugging everybody else on social media, the, if you've never watched The Hunting Public, I have become obsessed with The Hunting Public and what they do. And so this year, Hunting Public Land, they've really made me realize and made me look into what public land opportunities there are here in Tennessee, East Tennessee specifically. I mean, that's something that I'm hoping to, um, something that I'm hoping to figure out and, and experiment with this year. Because the le- from, from where I live in Knoxville, it takes me between two and a half and three hours to get to our property in Middle Tennessee. And if it's a Saturday afternoon or the weather doesn't line up great, you know, you hate to drive three hours one way just to sit for an afternoon or to sit for a day. Um, so finding some places that are close to home, you know, within an hour drive or so where I can just run and sit for a morning sit or an afternoon sit um, would be really convenient. And I, I would love to get to hunt some new places. So I've been looking into that a lot, um, just some public land things. There's a lot of stuff down around Telco I like. There's there's a couple close to Knoxville that I'm hoping to go and get some chances to scout this summer. Um, but regardless, that, that'll be really, really cool to experiment with that. And, I, and I'm only really interested in doing that during bow season i'm sure it'd be fine but i don't feel like running around on public land um, during gun season so gun season i'm pretty much just going to camp out at the lease but bow season do a little bit of experimenting and and looking around um, at some public land stuff so that'll be really cool and and i'll enjoy that Uh, so let's see other than that just a little odds and ends things uh I am currently in the middle of trying to trap for the first time. I need to be trapping at our lease in Middle Tennessee, but that's not really realistic um, being three hours away because I know we've got quite quite a few coyotes out there this year, both in person and on trail cameras. But um, I've got four traps set out on a 10-acre property here in Knoxville. A friend of mine inherited 10 acres that he's building a house on and is wanting to do a little bit of coyote trapping out there um, so have gone and and have had those out for i guess now it's last four days um, have not caught a coyote have been doing a lot of research into how to catch coyotes um, most effectively did catch a coon this morning that was my first official 
trapping success, I guess you could call it, although not particularly successful because I'm not trying to catch a coon, but we at least had something in a trap this morning, and we got to jump. We jumped about 12 deer. Dana, my lady friend, my girlfriend, uh, went with me on the way to church this morning, and we got to you know see a coon that we'd caught and um, jumped about 12 deer walking in, so that was pretty cool. Um, but trapping something may have a podcast or two about trapping and the failures and learning curve that's going on there for me. And also, and this is one that I'm really excited about, is that I am, I've always been interested in taxidermy and wanting to learn how to do taxidermy. I killed a buck this past, what month was that? October? Is is it either late October or, no, it would have had to have been I don't remember when I caught, when I shot this deer. It was probably late October. Late October, early November, I was at one of my best friend's properties in Middle Tennessee, south southern Middle Tennessee. I don't exactly know where he lives, where his property is, but we go there every year. His name is Lucas Pruitt. It's one of my best friends. And we've gone out to his family's farm during fall break for the last four years. First three years, we were bow hunting. This year, we went during, that oh, was during rifle season. Okay, so it was, yeah, it was November then. We go to his property during, um, during it might have been opening weekend of rifle season, and I, I killed a, a really, really nice nine-pointer, biggest buck I've ever shot, um, and just got it back from the taxidermist. Well, when I went and dropped it off, that kind of re-sparked my taxidermy interest. I thought, man, this stuff's really cool. I'd love to learn how to do that. And so I, I put out on my Instagram story, uh, which, shameless plug, Instagram handle is at Sam Karras. That's my name, S-A-M-C-A-R-R-I-S. You should totally follow me. That'd be cool. Okay, anyways, I go and drop this deer off. I'm like, I'm going to learn how to do that. So I put on my Instagram story, if anybody kills a deer from now to the end of the season and you do not want it mounted, then let me know because I want to try to mount it. Don't bring it to me if you want it done because there's a chance that I will totally butcher this and ruin the hide. But if anybody doesn't want one done, let me know. So my uncle, sure enough, last weekend shoots a five-pointer. So I am in the process of trying to learn how to do taxidermy to do this deer for him and hopefully a lot more deer in the future. I'd love to learn how to do that um, and, and be able to generate a little bit of income from it even maybe in the future. But what's so cool is that when I went to pick up my deer from, from the man I took mine to to be taxidermied, I told him that I had had this interest in learning how to do taxidermy. He said, and he started off, you know, he, he was excited that I, I'd taken an interest in it. And he, he said, you know, if you've ever got any questions, call me. He said, and if you want to, you're welcome to come over and, and watch me work on them anytime or, or come and, and learn from me. He said, the only problem is, is that I, I work on them from about 4.30 to 8 o'clock in the morning. And I said, well, I wake up at 4.30 every morning anyway, so that's about perfect. So excited about the chance to get to go and, and do some some taxidermy with him and, and, and learn from somebody that is very, very, very good at it. So that is just a little bit of, of who knows what all is going to be popping up on the podcast. Literally everything from fins to the forest. <laughs> I should probably insert a rimshaw sound there instead of trying to do it myself. Okay. All right. So to wrap up, it is still early in the year. It's February is me checking my phone. It's February 2nd. It's February 2nd. It's still early in the year, so I'm going to give you my goals. I've got three goals for this year. The first one, 
qualify for the BFL All-American. I should have two chances at it if I fish both of the regionals, both the James River and the Lanier regionals. Because um, really my my goal is, and this has been the goal since I've been in, in kindergarten. I remember doing show and tell in elementary school, telling people about how I'm going to be a professional fisherman. That's my goal is to, to be pursuing uh, bass fishing full-time in the next within the next two years, next year and a half. And but for for now, for my schedule right now, what what fits and what works is is me doing the BFLs and and so my goal is going to be to be qualify for the All American. That's goal number one. Missed it by, well, I can't say I missed it. I missed it the making the third day cut at Hartwell last year by I want to say it was twelve ounces. Yeah, missed it by twelve ounces. Uh, so pretty close there. But that's my goal this year. That's one of my goals. The second goal is I want to kill a deer on public land. I've never hunted it before. Only going to be hunting it during bow season, but that—that's what my hunting goal is—is is going to be. And then my third goal, I guess you could call this a—it's ah, not really a selfish goal. It's just a—I guess this would qualify as a social media goal. Is that I have—I've worked a little bit on YouTube stuff in the past, and will have plenty of YouTube videos that go along with the stories that I'll be telling on this podcast, whether it's the fishing tournaments or, or the deer hunts, or I'm getting to, get, getting to go out to Lucas's property where I shot that deer this past fall and do some turkey hunting with him. And let me tell you, Lucas is a good deer hunter and he enjoys deer hunting, but having turkey hunted with him in the past, that's, you know, he likes to deer hunt. He loves to turkey, to turkey hunt. Uh, so I'm looking forward to getting to do that with him. But all this stuff will have videos that go with it. And so my third goal, social media goal, is going to be to kind of grow that YouTube YouTube channel. And listen, I'm not trying to turn it into some Guggen Squad, hunting public, whatever. Like, I'm, I'm not doing this for the purpose, especially Guggen Squad. Sorry if you're a Guggen Squad fan. But that's not the goal of this um, the whole goal is just to be able to tell these stories and document all this stuff that I'm getting to do. But I want people to be able to see it and watch it. So grow my YouTube a little bit. My goal, 250 subscribers. That's not too drastic. I think I'm at like 67, 68 right now. Uh, so anyways, shameless plug for my stuff one time, second time for Instagram. Uh, I don't do Twitter. I'm on, well, I'm on Twitter. I don't tweet. I forget why I even have Twitter. I can't remember. I don't remember. Oh, yeah, I do. So the only reason I have Twitter is to keep up with my high school sports teams during whether it's football season or basketball season. Uh, Truly the only reason I have Twitter. If you want to follow me on Twitter, Instagram and Twitter are the same. It's just my name, Sam Karras, C-A-R-R-I-S. YouTube, it's the same thing. Uh, It's just my name. So don't look for the Fins to Forest there. However, Fins to Forest, the podcast itself, has its own Instagram now. It currently, at this moment, has one follower. That is my girlfriend. Bless her heart. So, Fins to Forest, you can find Fins to Forest on Instagram. Actually, that's not true. I have four followers my brother, my sister in law, my girlfriend, and Lucas has somehow found it. Um, so, anyways, you can listen there. Uh, keep up with when podcasts are going to be getting dropped or aired. I don't know what you call a podcast release. I guess we could call it whatever you wanted to call it since this is my own podcast. That's going to be my job for the next podcast is to come up, what do I want to call it when I drop a new podcast? Okay. Okay.
Anyways, thanks for listening. This will probably be... We're gonna, I'm going to start off making this a bi-weekly thing, um, a new episode every two weeks. When summer gets here and I don't have school and I don't have basketball, it'll be a whole lot easier to make these more regular. But two weeks is definitely manageable for me starting out. So I appreciate you listening today on February 2nd. And I hope that you'll listen again on February 16th when we will talk about a currently unforeseen topic. So thanks for tuning in. Hope you all have a great week. I got to work on an outro. That's my second job. Goodbye.